Well, good morning. good morning. It is indeed an honor to be here at Bridgeway Church. I want to thank my brother, my friend, Pastor Lance, for inviting me. Uh, when I first came to Sacramento uh, two years ago, he was one of the first pastors to welcome me here and to um, just come alongside me. And so I'm just grateful for the friendship with him and to uh, be here uh, where he gets to serve and shepherd. You got a great pastor. I don't know if you know that in Lance Hahn. You have been in a series this year on the king and exploring the kingdom. And so I want to step into that focus with you by going to Revelation chapter 7. There is a word for us found in Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse 9. It reads as follows. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them the springs of living water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. From this text, sisters and brothers, I want to speak to you on the title, A Sneak Preview of the Kingdom. A Sneak Preview of the Kingdom or Heaven Must Be Like This. God, I pray that this would be your message that ultimately you would be speaking and I would just be the vessel, the vehicle you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please let it be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A sneak preview of the kingdom or heaven must be like this. I have been on this journey in my life to discover what is heaven? What is the kingdom of God? The scriptures use heaven and the kingdom of God separately and connected interchangeably. I mean, in some ways, when you think about heaven, you think about God creating the heavens and the earth, which means God's original intent is where God resides and where we reside would be deeply connected. There'd be no chasm. There'd be no barrier. There'd be no blockage between where God is and where we are. God created, connected the heavens and the earth. The kingdom of God is also another way of talking about 
of discovering, of thinking about heaven. I wonder if the reason why Jesus, the Messiah, came to earth talking about the kingdom of God is because as he was talking to people at the time, those that were the descendants of those in covenant with God, that they were being impacted, they were being oppressed, they were being marginalized by kingdoms, empires, nations. They even knew uh, what it was like through their ancestors to have their own sort of like kingdom nation that was supposed to be in deep covenant with God but because of sin they lived in the midst of broken warped dysfunctional oppressive versions of kingdom and here is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven if you are a Christ follower if you are a member of God's church it is important that we know what heaven's like, that we know the kingdom of God. So my journey in uh, trying to understand heaven began when I was a little kid. I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, born and raised in Minneapolis, and it gets cold in Minnesota. I mean, every time we are in this, this season of living between November and March, Oh, am I glad that God has delivered me to California. (laughs) I mean, it gets cold in Minnesota. The last winter, my wife, Danisha, and our daughters, Jada and Maria, the last winter we were in Minneapolis before we moved to California, it went the whole month of January and never went above 15 degrees. 30 days. Yes, this is demonic. (laughs) It's wrong. It's wrong. Maybe the devil is blue and not red. I don't know. (laughs) But I know it gets cold in Minnesota. And so in the the winter months, uh, you know, it's too cold sometimes to play outside on Saturdays. So my younger brother, Tremaine, and I, when we were growing up, we looked forward to the warmth of Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, if it was too cold outside to go and play, you could have your heart warmed by Saturday morning cartoons. I don't even know if this is still a thing or not, but me and my younger brother, we would get up early on Saturday mornings. We would run into the kitchen. We would grab not those small cereal bowls, but like the bowl you would mix a cake in. We would grab two of those and we would grab Lucky Charms and Captain Crunch and chocolate milk and we would pour it all in those big bowls and we would run into the living room, turn on the television, and man, we were watching Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Tom and Jerry, the Roadrunner and the Coyote. We were watching Popeye, all of these Saturday morning cartoons. And, amen, brother, that's what I'm saying. Don't you feel the Holy Ghost? I'm what I'm saying. So, we're watching these cartoons, and every once in a while on these cartoons, we'd see heaven. Uh, Because if one of the cartoon characters would die and they were a good character, they would float up to heaven. And you would know they were going to heaven because they'd have a long white shirt on, they'd have wings on their back, they'd have a a harp, and they'd float up on a cloud. So as a kid, I was like, that's that's how I want my life to be. One day, I want to go to cartoon heaven. I want to have a white robe. I want to have my wings. I want to have my halo. I didn't want a harp, though. I mean, that's not very urban. I wanted a drum set, and I wanted to play my drum set all the way up to heaven. Um, Now, the only problem theologically was this, with this is that the cartoon character would be back for the next episode. So that, but anyway, the, the issue is, that's how I saw heaven, cartoon heaven. 
But you know, I, you get older, you get too old for cartoon heaven. You feel like, you know, I'm too mature now for cartoon heaven. So I really didn't think about heaven, the kingdom of God again until I was a freshman in college. Now, to give you some context, I went to a high school that was 80% African-American, 80% black, and I went to a Catholic university in central Minnesota where I was one of 10 African-American students on the whole campus my freshman year. This was a culture shock for me. I didn't even know if I was gonna make it. I thought about quitting, dropping out my, halfway through my freshman year, and so I, uh, I decided to go to a chapel on campus and pray. And so I went in the chapel, and while I was praying, I looked up, and I saw this, this mural, this painting, and I realized it was heaven. And I knew it was a painting of heaven because there was Jesus, and Jesus was holding a lamb that represents the lamb that was slain, and, and there were angels and clouds, and it was like, wow, heaven. Now, I, man, I, I hate to admit this, but I mean, if, if, I know you're just getting to know me, but if I'm honest with you, I looked at it and I started struggling because everybody in the picture was white. Like, like the angels were white, Jesus was white, the lamb, what a lamb supposed to be white? So that, that, but I, I, I looked at that and I'm, I'm embarrassed to, to admit this to y'all, but I'm embarrassed, but I said to myself, can I be in that heaven? All of a sudden I felt too old for, for cartoon heaven and I, and I felt too brown for all white heaven, so I, I didn't know what to do with heaven. Uh, now, I did graduate from that university in my senior year. Uh, I had an experience with God that, that transformed my life, and uh, I, I felt a call to ministry. And so uh, soon after I graduated from college, I was a young youth pastor. Uh, but I really didn't talk about heaven. I talked to kids about Jesus. I talked to kids about having a relationship with God. Really didn't talk about the kingdom of God. Really didn't talk about heaven until my favorite uncle. He's actually my great uncle. Uh, my uncle Wes uh, was dying. And uh, I went to the hospital to visit him. He was not a Christian. And when I went to the, to the room, I walked in. I didn't know what I was going to say to him. But to my surprise, when I saw him, he was smiling. Now, because of his illness, both of his legs had been amputated right under the knee. Uh, we didn't know how long he was going to be with us. But I was a little surprised that he was smiling when I saw him. And he said, hey, little reverend. He said, um, you don't have to worry about me. I'm good. He said, uh, I was sitting here feeling sorry for myself a couple days ago. And I noticed a, a Bible here in the hospital room. And so I started reading it. I remembered as a little kid, my mom taking me to church. And he said, I started to cry. But he said, in the midst of that, I accepted Jesus. And so you don't have to worry about me. I'm going to heaven. And my response was, heaven, really? Man, I, I better really figure out what this heaven thing is all about. Since I'm a Christian and a pastor, and my uncle's going there. <laughs> I probably should really take this more serious. Can't go to cartoon heaven. Don't want to go to any kind of racialized heaven. What is heaven like? And the bigger question, is the church supposed to be a sneak preview of heaven? Could it be that the church should function as an embassy of the kingdom of God. 
that the church should be an outpost of heaven, which means the people that make up the church, you and I, we should live our lives as citizens of heaven, as representatives of the kingdom of God. If that is true, we better live a life of discovering every day what heaven is, what the kingdom of God is like, and how we live as representatives of that kingdom. Amen. That we, you and I, would provide a taste of heaven to the broken, to the lost, to the outcast. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 7 to find out what heaven is. Heaven is what? Here in Revelation, we get a picture, a glimpse of heaven. After this, verse 9, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Heaven, the kingdom of God, is multi-ethnic. Yes, that's the first point. Heaven, the kingdom of God, is multi-ethnic. It says here, a great multitude that no one can count. That means you should not waste your time trying to develop a mathematical formula to figure out how many people are going to be in the kingdom of God. We don't know. It says a multitude that no one can count. It goes on and on and on and on. Praise God. That's a good sign. That means that when you share the gospel with somebody, when you live the gospel in front of somebody, it is worth it because you could be participating in the multitude that goes on and on that will be in the kingdom of God. But not only is it a multitude that no one can count, it's diverse. It's multicultural. It says every nation, every tribe, every people, Every language, there are representatives, there are people from all of those sectors of how we live out our human lives on this planet. The kingdom of God, heaven is multi-ethnic. Heaven is able to do what we can't do down here. Heaven is able to do what government can't do, what entertainment can't do, what professional sports can't sustain. It is able to bring people together in a sustained, unified existence. This is heaven. This is the kingdom of God. We live in a broken, upside-down world where nations war against each other, where nations are trying to get one up on each other, where nations demonize and dehumanize each other. But yet in heaven, there will be this multinational harmony and unity only found in the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tribes that war against each other, won't war against each other in heaven. People that are prejudiced against each other and discriminate against each other won't hold those feelings in their hearts in heaven. There will be multiple languages spoken in heaven. Everybody will be multilingual on some level in heaven. I don't think it's an English-only existence. Heaven is diverse but yet it's unified in Jesus. We will experience the beloved community in heaven. Martin Luther King Jr. used the term, the phrase, the beloved community, 
during the civil rights movement to describe the ultimate goal, the ultimate ends of the civil rights movement. I believe when he talked about the beloved community, he was talking about heaven. He was talking about the kingdom of God showing up on earth. Why would I say that? Because in a, in a sermon he preached in the late 50s called The Challenge of a New Age, he described the civil rights movement and said, the end of all this is beloved community. But that can only come about through the reconciliation the redemption that is found in the unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ. Heaven, the kingdom of God, is multi-ethnic. It also says here in Revelation 7, verse 11, this. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. One, heaven, the kingdom of God is multi-ethnic. Two, heaven, the kingdom of God is supernatural. Heaven, the kingdom of God is supernatural. Uh, in, the, in Revelation, there are beings that are described that are invisible to us now, but will be visible to us when we are in heaven, when we are in the kingdom of God. Elders, creatures, angels described to us. These are supernatural beings. They are invisible, but they will be visible to us at, one at some point. Now, these, these, these beings, though invisible, they are real. They surround us. God dispatches them us to us. There are times when these invisible, supernatural, mysterious beings, creatures, elders, angels are sent towards us by God as an answer to prayer, as a sign of God's grace, as a sign of God's provision, as a sign of God's protection. Um, maybe you've recognized it or acknowledged it already that there could have been moments in your life where you experience something that you can't just point to another physical, visible being for that happening. You have no, now this shouldn't shock you or anything. I mean, come on, y'all watch Stranger Things, so come on. <laughs> We're already in this mysterious, supernatural, I don't know what was that reality. Could it be that God moves in your life God surrounds you, not just through the visible, but also through the invisible. Heaven is supernatural. Angels, elders, living creatures. But you know what's interesting? There is another invisible being that is not mentioned here. And that's Satan, the devil. You notice it, it, that, 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 that angels are mentioned, that, that elders, that living creatures are mentioned here in this part of the text, but no demons, no devil, because in heaven, in the kingdom of God, the devil has been defeated. Demons have been dealt with. Only those surrendering to God, only those unified through the lamb in Jesus, you experience total victory over evil, over demonic forces in heaven, in the kingdom of God. What if we lived like that now? What if you and I decided to live our lives acknowledging 
that there's something beyond us surrounding us? What if we lived our lives right now as if demonic forces are defeated in Jesus' name? That there is power, victory in the kingdom of God. Heaven, the kingdom of God, is supernatural. But it also says this about heaven, the kingdom of God, beginning in verse 13. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Heaven, the kingdom of God is multi-ethnic. Heaven, the kingdom of God is supernatural. Heaven, the kingdom of God is compassion and justice. It says here, there's a group of people that are in heaven that will be in the kingdom of God that have gone through great tribulation, great suffering, great struggle. Who are these people? Now, there are some theologians that over the years believed that this is speaking to a time that is yet ahead of us in the future, that there's a time when those that are already believers will be caught up, they will be raptured, they will be supernaturally taken into the kingdom of God, and then the people that are left they will have an opportunity to accept Jesus, but they will do so under great suffering and oppression, uh, hence the book series Left Behind. <laughs> now, I'm not here to debate that. I'm not here to talk about things like pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. Uh, I, I do want to say this, though. Maybe one way to look at this text, though, is this. When John who wrote this book, inspired by God, was writing it, he was in exile for his faith. He was writing this at a time when followers of Christ were facing great persecution. For being a Christian, you could be thrown in prison, stoned to death, beheaded, crucified, crucified upside down, burned alive. Do you think those people in the first century would have believed they were going through the great tribulation? What about... At the beginning of our nation, 400 years ago, marked a significant time in the beginning of the slave system in our nation. Could it be that those slaves that believed in Jesus believed that they were going through the great tribulation? Could it be right now that there are underground churches in parts of what we call the Middle East and parts of Asia where people right now are being tortured for their faith in Jesus? Do you think they believe they're living through the great tribulation? I don't know. All I know is this, that if you believe in Jesus, what is promised in heaven is that if you've gone through great tribulation, great suffering, great oppression, 
and down here, you have a VIP seat and area waiting for you in the kingdom of God where there's no oppression, where there's no torture, where there's no persecution. But the text is telling us by saying that they will never hunger again, that poverty is addressed in heaven. Hunger and thirst is addressed in heaven. What about this sun beating down on them? That could be a reference to slavery, which means there's no slavery in heaven. There's no human trafficking in heaven. There is no racism or sexism in heaven. There's no dehumanizing in heaven. There's no discrimination or prejudice in heaven. What there is in heaven is living water, which means there's no death in heaven. What? If we lived out heaven like that now, what if our very lives were lives of generosity and compassion and justice and love and forgiveness and reconciliation and peace? This is what heaven's like. Heaven is multi-ethnic. Heaven is supernatural. Heaven is compassion and justice. And heaven is now. You and I are not to wait on heaven. Some people live their Christian life as if uh, the epitome of the Christian life is insurance. So they go, okay, I'm going to become a Christian and I'm going to get this supernatural Geico plan (laughs) that guarantees my entrance into heaven. It is spiritual, supernatural, godly influence. It's like kingdom of God, state farm. Kingdom of God prudential, like, like, like all state. You're in good hands with God if you accept Jesus. We are Christians. Bum, 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 bum. And so some people go, I become a Christian, I get my supernatural insurance, and I'll wait to use it. There's no deductible, everything's been paid. All you have to do is just wait on your date till you on deck. That's what you wait on. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not an insurance policy waiting on a date. Your kingdom date started the day you gave your life to Christ. The day you accepted Jesus, you were called to step into the kingdom of God, to step into the reality of heaven. How do I know this? Because this is the way that Jesus taught us to pray. In the gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom has come now. You and I are to live out heaven now. You don't have to wait till you die to experience heaven. You don't have to wait till you die to step into the kingdom of God. But here is the catch. You don't have to wait until you die to step into heaven, but you have to die to step into heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to wait till you die to go to heaven, but you have to die to experience heaven. 
What do I mean by that? To experience the kingdom of God, to walk in communion with Christ, you have to be willing to die to self. You have to be willing to die to experience the kingdom. Ah, man, I don't even like talking about death. But you know, if God asked me how I want to die, I would tell God. I wish God would ask me how I want to die. I would say, thank you for asking, God. I wrote about this in my journal. This is how I want to die, God. On my 100th birthday, I want to wake up at noon. That's right. I'm going to sleep in. It's my last day. What am I going to get up early for? I don't read nothing about sleeping in the Bible in heaven, so I need a good nap before I go. So on my 100th birthday, I'm going to wake up at noon. Because my mom is from Alabama and my dad is from Louisiana, I want one last southern soul food meal that consists of fried catfish, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, yams, hot cornbread with butter and honey in it, with a tall glass of sweet tea, followed up by a bowl of warm peach cobbler with three scoops of vanilla bean ice cream melting off the side of the bowl. I want to fall into another sleep and wake up in heaven. That's how I want to die. Just like that. Yes, I'm telling you, 100th birthday, wake up at noon, fried catfish, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, yams, hot cornbread, melted butter, honey, tall glass of sweet tea, big bowl of peach cobbler, warm, three scoops of nutter bean ice cream, melting outside the wall, fall asleep, wake up, hallelujah, won't he do it, do it, won't he? That's how I want to die. The problem is, God won't ask me. But God does invite me to die to myself daily. I have to go before God. If I want to live heaven now, I have to go before God daily and surrender those things in me that must die. Prejudice, jealousy, envy, sustained anger, unforgiveness, selfishness, low self-esteem, pride, arrogance. What is it in you and I that must die so we can live? And I found when I prayed this prayer, God killing me, the stuff you want to put to death, God answers that prayer. God is killing me softly with his love, killing me softly with his love. There was this soul singer named Roberta Flack in the 1970s. She had this song, Killing Me Softly. And uh, the song, I want to just describe the song to you. The song was, was like this. It's, it's about a woman who walks into a bar, a club, and, and she goes to the bar and gets a, a bar beverage, and she goes back to a table, and she sits down, and she's heavy-hearted. She is sad and wounded. And there's a guy on the stage with a guitar, and he's singing a song. And she realizes as she's listening to the song that the song is about her. It's telling everything about her. And it is embarrassing. It is killing her. She doesn't even know this guy. And this guy is singing a song telling her whole life. And it's killing her. But yet it's healing her. It's liberating her. Maybe that's who Jesus wants to be in your life right now the one that sings to your soul, your whole life, that heals you and liberates you, that you might live heaven right now. Maybe that song needs to become your hymn. Strumming my pain with his fingers, 
telling my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his words, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly. With his song La 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 Oh oh Killing me softly with his song Killing me softly with his love Telling my whole life with his words Killing me softly. Maybe that's what God wants to do. Not shame you, not guilt you, but lovingly get your marriage right. Lovingly get your single life right. Lovingly meet you where you are in your career right now. Lovingly meet you where you are with your finances right now. Lovingly meet you at the point of loss and pain. God doesn't want to shame you. God doesn't want to beat you up. God just wants to bring heaven in your life right now. If you would let God, he'll show you that heaven must be like this. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. We're going to go into a time of prayer After I pray this prayer with you right now, maybe you have other prayer needs and there are folks here that are going to be standing up front. They would love to pray for you. They would love to pray with you. They want you to walk out of here with more heaven in your heart. Let's pray. If you're here today and you know that there are some things that God needs to kill lovingly, patiently, in your soul where there's hurt or brokenness, just raise your hand and say, that's me. You're not alone. If you know you need more heaven in your life right now, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Maybe you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the very first time so you can step into heaven right now. Just raise your hand if that's you. God, I thank you for these raised hands. I pray that you would return them with your love, your peace, your truth, your grace. Heaven, and let us never, ever be the same. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you, and thank you for allowing me to be here this weekend.